Hey, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by Cassidy Travel, Ireland's number one travel agent. Check out CassidyTravel.ie and the email address in the bio below on YouTube or our podcast for some great offers and also to contact Cassidy Travel if you're interested in going on a holiday. Some people are back from a holiday, some people aren't. Uh, Michael McQuaid, Brian O'Leary, <laughs> Mark Cockerell. Let's just start off with this, lads. Honest to God. We're never getting sponsored by EasyJet, lads. I'm not, I'm not having it. This is a joke. I'm, I'm still in London. This is an actual joke. And, like, the Vikings and the Saints are home, and I'm not. Uh, Brian, how's the form? You all right? I'm good, Michael. Yeah, it was an enjoyable day yesterday. I'm nah. yeah, quite tired, but, but thankfully I am home. I did joke with Colin in the airport last night when we saw the uh, the Vikings and the Saints players all packing their bags. And, like, last year when me and Mark saw the Dolphins players coming through, they were all... Similar scenario, getting ready, quick, get on that plane as quickly as possible and get out of here. And I think it's, well, I feel, I felt for you today when you told us the news that you're stuck in London. I'm sure you could be stuck in worse places than London. I like Dublin know. 4, Dublin, Dublin 3. That was a joke. My, that was a joke. Michael, Hello, Mark. Michael, I've got back from the US quicker than, sorry, a bit too loud. I got back quicker from the US than you've got back from London. That's a little bit disconcerting, to say the least. Okay. Uh, well, what Brian was talking about was we came in to Stansted last night and uh, yeah, I had caught a few of the Saints players coming in. I'm sure you last seen them going to security as well. And then the Vikings came in about 35 minutes after. And at that point, I thought Everham was, was sweet. Everham was rosy. Got to uh, the end of the Packers-Giants game, or not the Packers, yeah, Packers-Patriots game, which I hope we're not talking about. There's no need to talk about that game. Zap. Um, and thought Everham sweet. Woke up at five o'clock and I'm still here. So hopefully don't, I'll get home tomorrow morning. But uh, yeah, an eventful day in London. Don't worry about it, Michael. We won't talk about the Packers-Patriots game then. We'll spend extra time talking about the Broncos-Raiders game. Just for you. Don't worry. Whatever you want. Uh, okay. So let's kick off, obviously, London. Um, we'll start off with that there. The Vikings uh, just about get the win over the Saints in, frankly, what was an interesting finish to the game. I would put up the video that I have. Uh, of the double doink at the end I just tweeted it out there now if anybody wants to check it out I didn't see the double doink there was a big big fat man in front of me and um, <laughs> I didn't see it so I all I seen was the reactions from the players and obviously knew that the Vikings won sprinted down to the presser um, out comes Kirk Cousins and I checked my phone and there's been a double doink uh, Brian let, let's, let, let's be clear here I, I, a really really good day in London but a very poor game through three quarters. Very, very poor. In my opinion, one of the worst games we've had in London for a long time until the fourth quarter. And I can only imagine that we're going to have a classic this weekend because the Giants haven't got a quarterback. The Packers can't score. So if things can only get better. It's going to be good fun. Their air quarterbacking playing this Sunday, Michael. Don't worry about it. Um, I do agree with you. Um, I had a lot of people text me today saying, fantastic game. You must have really enjoyed it. But I was going to say, well, I'm not sure what game you're watching for for large parts, because until 11 minutes 15 to go in the third quarter, we didn't really see any massive plays of, of note. And then Jefferson break free for 20. And we touched on it in the press conference. We asked the question of Kevin O'Connell, you know, did he change the, what, in terms of the schemes? Did he change anything up to get Jefferson more involved in the game? Because, you know, for two and a half quarters, he was kept in check very well by the Saints defense. The Vikings have found a way to win, and Kirk Cousins has found a way to win. But, um, I thought there were some dubious play um, flags on the Saints defense, and overall, I felt the Saints were the better team on the day. And I thought Dennis Allen coached a 
pretty strong team. And Jeff Duncan said yesterday that they would need a strong performance from the defense. And it looked like that was the way. And they found a way to get themselves in front late on with the touchdown from Taysom Hill. And then obviously the two-point conversion to Landry. But it wasn't a big, it's a big win for the Vikings. I mean, despite what we may think of this Vikings team in terms of how erratic they can be, they are three and one with a game against the Bears this weekend. And they could go far and one. They'll be challenging the Packers for the division. So big win for them. They, the kicker obviously has been given the game ball, have missed an extra point to get the game winner. It's, you know, for, it's a big one for him to get that off his back as well. Mark, a uh, hell of a game you missed. Andy Dalton going up against Kirk Cousins in the uh, efficiency bowl. Um, it look, it, it was all right. It was great. It was great crack to back in London again. Obviously, so much crack that I'm still here. That's the last time I'm going to joke about that. But. Um, the Vikings are in a good position now because the Packers, as far as I'm concerned, as it stands until I see them at the weekend, I'm not that fussed on their offense and they've got a real opportunity now. They've beat the Packers in Minnesota week one. If they can beat them in Lambeau and get through the season, they have a real chance of winning this division as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. I mean, Aaron Rodgers himself has said that their offense is unsustainable. They can't keep winning games this way. Uh, they're putting too much pressure on their defense. So he'd admit as well uh, for the Green Bay Packers that improvement is possible and desirable there. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. This there wasn't a great game by any stretch of the imagination. There was a horrible moment there. It looked like we might have more goals in the Manchester Derby than would have points in this particular game. Um, but, you know, it was what it was. It was an efficient game. The 31st game ever to be played in London since the 2007 series started. Uh, and next week, Michael, the 32nd game, we finally welcome the 32nd team to uh, the UK because the Green Bay Packers will finally make the trip. And the first ever game between two teams with winning records. So when you talk about the quality of the game, I mean, it's going to be up there because they're two teams that lead in their divisions well, at the moment. So that's going to be exciting to see. That's that, that goes into my next point, lads. And I'll start with you, Brian. Like The play on average in the league this year has been poor. That these two teams that are coming in, in the, in the way that they've played in the first three weeks... Um, have both got winning records. I mean, fair, fair play to them they have, but like, let's single out the Packers here. If the Packers are playing an, an efficient team last night with a quarterback and not somebody that had some sort of laser for a name, they would have won. You know, or sorry, they, they would have lost. Like, genuinely, I, I really feel like that. So, I'm, I, th- I think for a neutral, it's, it's enticing because as Mark said, Packers coming in to London for the first time, all the hoopla around that there, but also... They're under serious pressure now to, to get the get, to get the offensive gauntlet down and somehow find a way to score three or four touchdowns against the Giants and something that I would have said at the start of August. I don't think I don't I don't think I would have said it. I, I'll say it now. I can't see it happening, which is um, nuts. I would. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I don't want to get too much in the game. So what I would say is right now the Giants' defense is I put up there probably one of the best defenses in the league and that's quite surprising. Bear in mind some of the talent in which they have the team. They're certainly paying. Playing above their level, Rick Martindale has done a fantastic job already. I mean, the first game, they, they only gave up 20 points. Second game, they gave up 16 points, 23 against the Cowboys. And again, okay, the Bears are a bit, you know, let's be fair, but they still didn't give up a touchdown in the entirety of the game yesterday, held in the four field goals. Defensively, they're playing very strong. But look, it's going to be, we can argue the test around the Packers. The reality is, Rogers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and he does have talent there. I know we're going to get into the, that game later on, but in fairness, what I would say is, and I, and I, I hold my hands up because I felt the Packers would win this game comfortably. Um, Bill Belichick, you know, kudos to Bill Belichick because he can just game manage. Um, 
he knows how to get. No matter what the situation, no matter what the scenario, no who to play and who's in the quarterback, you know, he can manage a game. And that's really interesting. He managed the game to, to an extent where in overtime, with the ball at the 50-yard line, it says they only need probably 15, 16 yards to be in an opportunity to uh, kick a field goal. But I think they ran out of plays. They ran out of plays, unfortunately, you know, the, 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 what they could scheme to get into that position. But, uh, yeah, I do I do feel the Packers are struggling offensively and we haven't seen the best of them. And we'll, we'll, it'll be interesting to see the dynamic on Sunday about how explosive they can be against a defence that, for a large part of the season, has been very strong. Mark, can I just jump on something here? And we'll maybe try and move on after this game. So get your point in as well, if you want. Um, obviously, Vikings were great. Very, very impressed with O'Connell and his presser yesterday. Also impressed with how much they gave access to... The pressers. It was funny because I was talking to Will Gavin before the show when he was in the uh, changing rooms, and we got more access in the press conference than they all got. So the Vikings were very, very good in that sense. One thing that the Vikings done different to the Saints was they came in on Friday, the Saints came in on Monday, and every other team apart from the Broncos now in three weeks' time are coming in on the Friday. Broncos coming in the Tuesday. Um, do you think that's an issue for teams? Do you think the Friday factor is good for them, uh, or do you think it doesn't matter in any way, shape, or form because? It was a double doink, which stopped overtime yesterday. <laughs> um, I don't know, to be absolutely honest with you. I mean, all the teams are doing their own sports science in relation to it, the impact on sleep, the impact on diet. That was one of the biggest pushes for the first number of years when people were in coming over to London. I remember one year, I think, the Jags brought over their own toilet roll as well as their own personal chefs. Um, I mean, these guys analyze it to the nth degree. Um I I just think it's going to be a little bit about personal preference and a little bit about what the teams want to set up. I know the Vikings gave personal day off during the week before they went and traveled. So they kind of saw that, hey, give the guys a bit of space, give them time, and then we're just going to treat it like a long-distance trip. We're going to go on the Friday, get their practice on Saturday, hit the game, and then almost get them back in on the uh, early Monday morning before body clocks are gone all over the place. Um, we sometimes talk about the West Coast traveling to East Coast and the difference that has for a 1 p.m. start. Like, bear in mind, these guys are basically kicking off on the 9.30 a.m. East Coast start. So, you know, I'll leave that to their doctors and, and things to make the right decision. But you're right, Michael. I mean, there but for the grace of God. Like, this is a very fine line. I know we'll come back to the Packers later on. There's definitely other things we can say about them. Um, uh, not all bad Packers fans. Not all bad, actually. I'm going to give you a good comparison you'll like later on. But if this, if you know, the, the border bounced the other way, we'd be sitting here talking about how the Vikings 2-2, two and two, they're squandering another opportunity. They had a great opening day victory and now they're throwing it away. And equally, we'd be kind of lauding how the Saints are somehow still in the battle. Um, you know, breath of a wind. Will Lutz kicked an amazing 60-yarder. Um, only a few moments ago, obviously, if the 61 had gone over, we'd have been saying, hey, that's the first time anyone's ever kicked two 60-yard field goals in the same game. Unbelievable. At sea level, you know, with no natural elements to help him, not a breath of wind. Um, instead, we found out that his range at sea level is about 60.9 yards, not quite 61. You know, small, small margins. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about this Buffalo Bills Baltimore Ravens game. Uh, twenty three to twenty, the Bills get the win. Um, John Harbour, gents, made two very interesting calls in the game, and I feel like he's not getting called out enough for it on national media today. I, I feel if it was a certain coach in different teams that they'd be hounded. 
granted there's some things being said about him but I feel when you've got Lamar there things are a bit quieter than what they you know, expect to be uh, late in the third quarter the Ravens had quite a good drive going Jackson looked like he had got down scrambled for a first down and um, was ruled to be short Harbour challenged to play they would go for it in fourth and down and getting it but they wouldn't get any points and the fourth and down Harbour situation is uh, is just likely all the time with four minutes remaining the Ravens um well, the whole four thing. You know what, Brian? I'll just get your thoughts on this. This was bananas. What the hell was going on? I, I genuinely feel like I'm getting annoyed even thinking about what John Harbour done yesterday. And I, I can understand why uh, players were getting pissed off. And fair play to them for standing up to them because it shows you how crazy it was at the end. I think it's a it's a frustrating thing because we've seen this quite a few times now with the, with the, uh, with the Ravens in terms of trying to be too clever and leaving points on the field in different games last season, even the season before that. And uh, it's a bit unusual because I can understand the narrative as to why he's gone for it on fourth down because he's thinking in his own head, the worst case scenario is here, we're going to give the Bills the ball to the yard line because essentially he's probably thinking Lamar will realise if I can't get a score, just get rid of the ball. Um, you know, don't don't put it into it. And, and he chose it up to in the end zone when there's two defensive players there surrounding I think it was Mark Andrews who only who was held for 15 yards yesterday, but two receptions, so he didn't have a strong game. They probably felt, well, you know, we, it's not the end of the world to let them start the two yard line. They're going to have to drive a, a long way to get a score. But the the double whammy was the end of getting the ball to 20, which is a lot more approach. But bearing in mind the Bills' second half was a lot more um, aggressive and better compared to what they were in the first half. I mean, it was 23 at one stage in the first half. But Harbour's comments after the game are a little bit strange because he sa- essentially what he says is, "I didn't trust my defense." to uh, not allow the, the Bills to get down and score a touchdown, which is why we had to go and get a touchdown of our own. So worst case scenario, the game goes to overtime. But on the previous, but if you look at the, the Bills on the, tri- the three drives pr- prior to that, touchdown, field goal, and a punt. So they had held them on the previous drive. So why didn't they have the confidence again for his defense to hold them again? It was a wet weather. The, the weather was adverse. You know, what's to say there wouldn't be a, you know, a fumble? Things wouldn't go right for the Bills. So I can understand it's a, it's a different game. And they've had a 17 point lead which has been whittled away by the Bills, and look, the Bills have won the best in the league so far. Look, they'll always come back. But they also had that scenario a couple of weeks ago where they allowed a big 28-point lead to be taken away by the Dolphins. Again, two home games. So I can understand why Ravens fans today are a bit disgusted. Like, take the points, live for another drive. You know, again, the psyche may change. You know, again, if it's three points, maybe the Bills won't be as aggressive on the drive. Maybe they'll be conservative. Maybe they'll be happy to take uh, overtime. You know, but it's a lot, it's one that's got away from them again. Mark, um, talking and, and we Brian mentioned there about the comebacks that the the Ravens have allowed over the over the course of the season so far. Four weeks in, um, for them with that offense that they have, not to score any points in the second half is pretty unforgivable, isn't it? Like, of course, the defense can let points in, and when you go up against Josh Allen in that Buffalo offense, you'd be forgiven for letting in thirty. Never mind twenty three. Uh, so for Lamar Jackson to have the season he's had so far and then not score any points in the second half is a bit jarring or concerning. Also, Josh Allen uh, has been 0-7 in his career uh, when trailing by 17 or more points. Uh, he became the first quarterback yep. to lead uh, such a comeback since Fitzpatrick done it in 2011. Not bad. 
No, not bad. Biggest, biggest obviously comeback as you're calling out of his young career so far. And, and maybe you'd say that's the one thing the Bills have been missing or Josh Allen's been missing is, you know, the comeback in a game that wasn't expected. I know I, know I only called it out the other week uh, when they lost to the Dolphins. The Bills don't win those one-score games. They won their last 20 games by 10-plus points. They haven't won a game by less than 10 um, for over two seasons. So maybe this is a great sign for Bills fans that, do you know what? This team's got a bit of dog in them as well. They're going to eke out the close, tight games where you need that little bit of calmness, that serenity, uh, even when the chips are down, that big comeback. And then when the plays really matter in the fourth quarter, making the right decisions, making the big play like the inception, not making the big mistake like the Ravens did. Uh, And you guys are rightly calling it out. Like, I mean, this isn't once for the Ravens now. This is twice. They're the first team in NFL history to lose two games in the first four weeks of the season with a more than 17-point lead twice. Um, That's not good. That's not a good reputation to be gaining in relation to it. Now, they've started so electric, you think, of course, they're going to win more than they're going to lose. That division they're in, the Steelers look putrid. The Browns don't look great, if we're being honest about it. Uh, And the Bengals maybe are getting back to themselves a little bit with a big win on Thursday night, but obviously didn't start the season so well. So you still reckon that this could be a big game come playoff time? Um, uh, that this could be a repeat later on when the you know all the chips are in, but you'd have to hope and think that Harbaugh and Jackson's decision making is going to improve because, like you say, Michael, very rightly, you know you want to get annoyed about something, Marcus Peters, get annoyed about the fact that your defense didn't get the big turnover of Josh Allen in the second half when it really mattered. Get annoyed about the fact your offense didn't score a single point. It wasn't just those two fourth down, a quarter drives; it was the entirety of the second half. Um, They're the things to really get upset about. But look, in many respects, it was a game that probably wasn't what you saw in the Vikings and Saints. They are two really good teams. And a lot of the play was exceptional, whether exceptional offense or exceptional defense. These are two heavyweights going up and a lot of really well-coached fundamental football in not great conditions. So great game to to see. Might be important, obviously, come seeding time as well for the playoffs. And yeah, Bring it on in, in January again. Love to see this one run back itself one more time. Um, any other concerns, Brian, in regards to the, to the Ravens and, and what Marcus said there? Bills ch- Bills are chipping away and they just have to get the wins in the division that they're in at the minute. And obviously now it's coming out that Tua will not play next week for the Dolphins. Let's not have a discussion around that complete another show in Miami last week, uh, especially on Thursday night. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, but there are not, there's an opportunity now for the Bills to try and win some games and get a get a lead in the East. We've seen over the past couple of years when the Ravens go up against really good teams and really good coach teams and defensively, they find ways to slow Lamar Jackson down. Like the Ravens had the ball for 28 minutes in this game, so they essentially controlled Brian Brian the whole game. But yeah, they couldn't score in the second half. And <clears throat> okay, there's a different dynamic in, in Miami, but they kept on to the same defensive staff. They found ways to slow him down as well. Like for, he's a great player, don't get me wrong. Most fans in the league would love to have him as their quarterback, but teams do find ways to slow him down, and everybody has the same footprint. They all look at the same defensive schemes and what teams are doing to find ways to, to get their way of doing it when it comes to playing. Yeah, in, injury-impacted Bill's defense again. I know we talked about that with the Miami game before, but uh, yeah, injury-impacted is worth noting as well. They found the way, as you say. 
Okay, no worries. Let's move on to the Eagles who played the Jaguars. Jaguars went in, uh, Jaguars jagged or roared into uh, a 14 to zip lead at one point at the start of this game. Uh, Eagles go 4 and 0, 29 21 victory. Uh, still undefeated. More of a quiet day, Brian, for Jalen Hurts, but it was a Miles Sanders ball. Really, really good performance from him. But for Trevor Lawrence, a few mistakes, and maybe if those mistakes were rectified, if it was a different day, the game could have been a lot uh, closer. The one takeaway that I got from this game of 40 this morning is both teams are really good. I'm excited to see both teams later in the stretch in the season. Yeah, like the Jags, you know, they've, they've lost a difficult one here. Like I, I picked them. I felt they would win. When I saw 14 nil, when we walked out of our press conference yesterday, we saw 14 nil. I was thinking, here we go. This is what I expected. A strong defense to hold Hurts in check. And the Jags were driving a 14 14 nil up. They were in the Eagles' half of the field. And then he has a, a fumble on which no one touches him. He, he's running with the ball and he lets it slip. He had four fumbles yesterday and an interception. The weather was, was bad, so okay, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But when you have those many turnovers, you're not going to win a game in the NFL. You need to protect the ball. And they had seven drives, but they didn't complete one first down. Essentially, they had seven three and outs, which you're never going to win games. And your right horse didn't have the best of games yesterday, but this is the reality of the Eagles' offense. They can lean on the run. They had 50 rushing plays yesterday, and they had 124 yards off Sanders. So when you've got that in the back in your back pocket, you may, you don't need Hurts to be getting get outside the pocket and running all day long. And you know he doesn't necessarily have to be throwing deep balls down the field. They can rely on the run game, and that's essentially what happened. Yes, they got him over the line. And they were outscored in the second quarter, t- three touchdowns by the Eagles. And they put the game away in the end, like with three extra field goals. It was a late touchdown. But once the second half came in, I didn't feel there was any other result than, a, than an Eagles victory. Um, Mark, in terms of the Eagles, have you looked at their schedule? Are they going to lose a game before this? Is, is it the Packers they're playing in November? Gen- genuinely, I just can't yeah, see yeah. they're going to lose. Yeah, I know, but look, any given Sunday as well uh, and all that, I think it is fascinating that from seven teams in October 2020 being undefeated, five in 21, we now only have one in October 2022. You know, the league wants parity. By God, has it got it? Uh, The Eagles are the only undefeated team and the Texans the only team without a victory. Um, And But this game, to me, showed why the Eagles are the last undefeated team and why Philadelphia is getting more excited about them. Um, Sirianni's putting his trust in Jalen Hurts. I mean, you know, he didn't have a huge day in terms of numbers per se, but they were in a very difficult third and long situation right by the goal line, going backwards, you know, messing up a drive a bit. And Hertz came out not only with a great 13-yard run, but then a huge run, if you can have a huge run, for three yards for a touchdown where he took a massive lick on the goal line. It was a real, you know, I'm going to get it. This is me. This is kind of all my frustration about being trying to, you know, tailored as a tailback or a running back, about losing my gig to Tua back in Alabama, about no one believing in me and all these people giving out about me. Uh, it was a degree of leadership. And Sirianni said afterwards, and said, you know, that's why I trust you. I put my trust in you. And you can kind of draw parallels if you're an Eagles fan to Doug Peterson putting his trust in Nick Foles when it really mattered. Um, that's what you need. He believes he's his guy. He's backing him to the hill. And I think Hertz is responding to that. Of course, it helps when you've got A.J. Brown. Um, uh, and, you know, you've got two amazing deep threats. Let's be honest about this, to take the top off any defense. Um, that helps with Smith and Brown. So, like, that's nice. But they've got a, you know, they've got a great rushing attack. They've got a really good defense. Um, and for the Jags, yeah, was this a little bit of a wake-up call? Because, like, at, at the fir- end of the first quarter, it was like, 
oh my god you know these Jags are for real. Trevor Lawrence is really for real. What a difference just a half-decent coach makes. Um, and Doug Peterson is loving his return to Philadelphia. Um, but when you have five turnovers, as Brian alluded to, there is a little bit of uh, waking up. But to push the Eagles like they did, push them on offense, push them on defense, you know, let's reset a little bit there. Those Jags, they're going to be in it to win it, but the Eagles are in a different class. Yeah, absolutely. They're, for me, they're probably the standout in the NFC. I'm excited to see how the Jags can do. I feel that they could go on a run uh, looking at their schedule over the next few weeks, so let's see what happens there. They could be where we all thought Miami could be in the wild card if Tua goes out for a few more weeks. Hopefully he's okay. Uh, Chargers-Texans. Uh, Chargers benefiting on the Raiders getting the first win. Broncos losing. Uh, going 2-2 two and two on the season. 34-24 victory. A uh, couple, of, couple of elements here. Brian Davis-Mills, obviously, couple of interceptions but this Texans team to put up 24 against the Chargers in the situation that they've been in recent years and the situation in which the Chargers are in is not too bad uh, Herbert gets the job done over 330 yards passing two touchdowns and multiple uh, scores in terms of Austin Eckler gets twice uh, only 60 yards in the day but scores two touchdowns they got the job done yeah Eckler was, was better yesterday and uh, Herbert was better yesterday he looked more comfortable this week compared to what we saw last week but you're right, Davis Mills put a performance on this Chargers defense in the second half. Chargers defense that has tortured in points allowed and 20 yards allowed. Brandon Stanley was the answer. He was brought in to correct this defense. You know, he was great defense coordinator in the Rams and the owners bought into this. If we can only fix this defense with Justin Herbert here, we have a chance to go and make a big push at the Super Bowl. I'd argue if there was any decent head coach in there coaching this team, this team really would be a Super Bowl contender. But whilst he's there, I... I don't believe in it. I am. Um, yeah, it's a good win. The eleven to come back. Davis Mills, who for me is an average quarterback, put up a lot of yards on them. Maybe people will challenge me and say it was garbage time stuff, but they came back, rallied, got some nice points on the board. I'm still not convinced by the Chargers. I don't think I ever will, to be honest. Not this season, anyway. Uh, Brian's really putting himself into a corner here with Steely because they could turn it on in November and December. Like a lot of teams have previously. Uh, look, they're they're in a tough division, but at the same time, uh, Mark. Um, you know, 27 for 39. Herbert is getting the job done, but we do need to see some sort of, uh, not improvement, but we need to see the game evolve for this team over the next few weeks to see if we can say to them, well, can this team take on yeah. the West? Can they beat the Chiefs whenever they play them in LA at some point oh, this season? And that's the big question. Absolutely. Well, I mean, they've got to get people healthy first still. I mean, they're dealing with a revamped O-line. They're still dealing with injuries at the wide receiver position. Like, so they don't have everything. Herbert himself is still injured. I mean, when they had to kind of account for Slater's absence and kind of plug and play a left guard this week, uh, you do worry about him aggravating injuries further. So this was always, to be to be honest, a game to get through. Of course, they should beat the Texans, especially they should beat the Texans with Davis Mills at quarterback um, because he's not been performing well this season at all. Uh, and it, it does feel a little bit like Cinderella in terms of like he had a couple of impressive performances towards the end of uh, last season. But, you know, it just turned midnight. Everything's turned to pumpkin and mice again. And uh, he's been found wanting left on the side of the road in racks. The reality is he's probably going to be a starting quarterback for the Texans for the rest of the season because it's not like they invested in the backup position behind him. Um, so again, another head coach in this instance, Lovey Smith at the Texans <clears throat> is being left out to dry by his GM, by his ownership yet again, and the rebuilding continues. Um, 
you know, if I'm a Chargers fan or if I'm looking at the Chargers' weakness, again, it looks like run defense. Like, you knew what the Texans were going to do. Damian Pierce had a kind of a career day. He had one big run for 75 yards. He put about 130 on the ground. Like, if you, you're letting a player of that caliber gash you, what's it going to be like? I mean, Melvin Gordon for the Broncos, for example, Michael. What about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire from the Chiefs in the relation to it? Uh, Josh Jacobs had a great day rushing the football yesterday. What about him for the Raiders? Like, they must be licking their lips if that Chargers run D is not going to perform again. Been there, Achilles heel, many's a year, especially last year. Um, and actually the year before that, I think they were 31st in the league. So uh, if that... You're right. If Staley isn't fixing that, then, you know, Christ, guys, that's what you're supposed to be doing. But it is week four. Get the win. Move on. Try and improve next week. Uh, talking about improving, a team that's improved the season so far, at least, Detroit Lions put up 45 points against the Seattle Seahawks. And by God, they still lost the game 48-45. Everyone's talking about Geno Smith, who is uh, cooking or playing well. Uh Jar Goff at 378 passing yards yesterday for four touchdowns, albeit one interception. He's proven people wrong, Brian. I mean, people were writing him off at the start of the season, and he's become efficient in this Lions team that has taken a step forward. But you have to argue to let 14 or 48 points in um, in, in any game is unacceptable defensively. Same going for Seattle, who let 45 in. Um, I don't want to say two bad teams because I do rate the Lions more personally than the Seahawks, but it didn't show yesterday. The Lions are... See, we said, like, when we when we previewed the opening weekend of the season, we talked of the Lions' defense being erratic, struggling. Their secondary is weak. Um, Philly exploited. Um, Washington exploited for large parts of week two, and then inevitably in the end last week, Minnesota found ways to exploit it. They're struggling defense. Yeah, they're very good on offense and they put up some great numbers, but that's the reality of the situation they're in. They're going to have to battle these high-scoring games and find a way to come out the right the right end. You're, you're talking about Geno Smith cooking. He's balling because he was 23 of 30, 322 touchdowns, only seven incomplete passes. And to sum up the Lions' defense, Seattle didn't punt once in the entirety of the whole game. Once they turned the ball over and they went for four downs, they never punted once in the whole game. And the Lions scored four touchdowns from the seven-minute marker in the third quarter. So whilst the game looks tight, it really wasn't. Like Seattle were quite comfortable. It actually reminded me, in a way, of the game in which the Lions played in week one where the Eagles were so far ahead and the Lions came rallying back and they, they fell short. But they, they didn't really fell short. It was a lot of late scores and it was a similar scenario yesterday. Seattle, I was a bit annoyed myself because I've been high on Seattle and I picked them a couple of times and, and they haven't delivered and I felt yesterday was a game for them. But... I went with the Lions, but when I saw the injuries, we discussed it yesterday morning before we did the show in London, the fact that Brown was out, Swift was out, DJ Chalk was out, you know, I think if we had known that situation when we were making our selections earlier in the week, we may have changed our pick towards Seattle, but uh, Pete Carroll, I mean, he just finds ways to get wins out of teams that when he doesn't have a good roster. Mark, as Brian said, there are obviously multiple players out St. Brown, Amon uh, out again, DJ Chark, Swift, they still racked up 520 yards on the offense. Does that speak volumes as in how poor the defense is for Seattle? Or what takeaway do you you know have from that? And it's it's interesting. Obviously, Rashad Penny had a great game as well for Seattle. So there was many different ways to take from each team there. But um, 
for me, I just can't see either team being down the stretch at the end of the year, personally. I just don't feel it. Well, 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 no, I mean, the, the Seahawks at least are on their way to the 11 wins that Brian predicted um, at the start of the season. He only predicted game. nine. I know, that's why I'm doing it. He only predicted nine, but we'll keep adding to it. Um, but of course, you know, it is all about the Lions, really. I mean, they're first in points scored, but last in terms of points conceded. Um, you know, a one and three, but I think it's 35.25 points per game they're conceding and they're scoring 35 points per game. I mean, it's crazy thin, but they're one and three on foot of that. I mean, they just go to cement their legacy as the red zone team of the century, as far as I'm concerned, because you can never not watch them in that 6 p.m. window because they play, they're either putridly behind or putridly ahead. And then there's always drama in the fourth quarter whenever they're playing. And look, they're entertaining to watch at the moment. It's been plenty of Lions teams outside of the Barry uh, Sanders years and the Calvin Johnson years, but they've been dreadful to watch. So at least you've got that, Lions fans. Um, but what are they going to do about that defense? Uh, Dan Campbell came out and said, we're going to review the entirety of this defense from coaching down um, over the next week. Well, what the hell were you doing during the whole offseason? What the hell were you doing during the first three weeks when you've been terrible? And um, why are you suddenly turning around to that with a quarter of the season gone? Look, I'm sad for it. They seem like a good... You know, good news story. They're obviously hard knocks. They're very entertaining. The dude cares, and he actually seems to be a pretty decent coach, especially if he's reviving the career of Jared Goff. But um, they can't keep playing games like that. As a neutral, fantastic to watch. Bet the over every time. But, you know, that's that's completely and utterly unsustainable. And who knows? Maybe Brian is right about Seattle. Maybe they're going to sneak in some... You know, sloppy wins here and there, but are we convinced by Geno Smith? No. Are we convinced that they have uh, the pathway to the future necessarily there? No. Not at all. I'm really intrigued to see how they get on this weekend because they're playing at home to the Patriots and they twitched on the fact that Belichick, despite his roster, um, finds a way to put a proper game plan around. So I'd be interested to see how he game plans around in expensive offense. Yeah, I should, I should have remembered that before I made that comment now for Seahawks fans to rub in my face again, Brian. Thanks. And I have not picked the Patriots so far this season, which is to my detriment. I, mean, I know people probably hate me for it. So uh, I think we're on Wednesday this week. Potentially, we'll talk about this all fair after. So stick around for picks this week. Uh, one team that I did pick this week, and if you watch it back, I was confident enough. Uh, I don't rate the Steelers team at all. Uh I still don't, even with Kenny Pickett coming in, I think Mitchell Trubisky, for however long the game was at least, uh, had was what 7 for 13, Kenny Pickett, 10 for 13 completions, um, 3 interceptions in the game, albeit some of them, in my opinion, were out of his control, at least one of them was, but um, I, I think it's worrying times for Pittsburgh, I was watching the show this morning, I'll ask who it was. But uh, they were saying it was like a, one of the main shows in the States, and they were saying, "Oh, people are delighted because the new era of Steelers football has started, and uh, they're calling uh, Kenny Pickett a generational talent." I mean, I'll take what they're smoking, please, because it's been a long day, and uh, I mean, like, who knows what can happen, lads? I mean, it could take him a couple of years. Like, I just don't get the whole hype around it. But look, the Jets, Jets pull it off. Jets look, in my opinion one of the most improved teams in the league. And Robert Sala is the epitome of give a team time, give a manager or a head coach time, and they get the job done. Really, really impressed with the Jets. Fair, fair play to them. Um, not a great game, though, Brandon. No, not, no, it wasn't the best game for three quarters. Not a lot happened. Um, 
I said Kenny Pickett by week six in our season preview or divisional preview. I also said Mike Tomlin would have a losing record this year because of Kenny Pickett being playing by week six, and I stand by that. The, then, and like the only thing that was exciting about the game was the fact that Pickett came in and they did have an opportunity to try kill off the game, but the Jets didn't do an off three quarters, and yet Zach Wilson, four quarter, twenty one plays, nine first downs, held on to the ball for nine minutes and twenty three of the fourth quarter, and scored two touchdowns. So. Yeah, Jets fans, like I picked them last week against the Bengals because I can see they're starting to evolve as a team under Salah and they have got great players there. You would argue this Jets offense, if they do get production now, Wilson, have got all the players there. I mean, Garrett Wilson looks like a great player they picked up in, in the uh, in the draft. Uh, they brought in tight end from the Bengals. They've uh, increased players on the defense, you know, in terms of what they did in the draft. So they've got all the right attributes to have a good season. It's a big win, but not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this is a big weekend for the Jets because the following week they go to Green Bay and they're home, they're home this weekend to Miami. And we've seen the Jets stop start over the course of four or five years where they have a really good win and they think they're going to follow up. Like I got caught up with the whole win in week two and I felt they beat the Bengals. It didn't materialize. They were very flat. Will they be flat this weekend against Miami who will be led by Teddy Bridgewater? So it's a big game for the Jets maybe to turn their fortunes around this weekend. Yeah, looking forward to that game at the weekend and looking forward to seeing how Teddy Bridgewater gets on in Miami. Wish him all the very best over the next few weeks for 25 million reasons. Uh, Mark, Zach Wilson, this offense looks more fluid. Like, it's not pretty to watch at the minute, but everything takes time. <laughs> the Jets are going in the right direction. They're 2-2 two and two to start the season off. What are your expectations for them in the AFC East? Can they finish third? Oh, they can, they can definitely finish third. I mean, they're ahead of the Patriots at the moment, so they're, they're on a run there. I mean, obviously, if Miami has two are out for any prolonged period of time as well, does that, you know, team splutter? Um, I think they've got to feel very hopeful. Uh, we touched on it last week. You know, this Jets offense has been performing well with Joe Flacco behind the controls and revitalizing his career. Is it maybe that they've just got the right parts around that offense for the first time ever? Good coaching, good line, actual some threats down the field. And Wilson took his time to get going, but when you score two fourth-quarter touchdowns against the Pittsburgh Steelers and a Mike Tomlin coached defense in any occasion, um, that's worthy to note, especially someone who's been criticized for his lack of poise and lack of performance on so many occasions. So that, if anything, is the most positive sign for the Jets. Of course, the story about this is Pickett coming in. Uh, the one criticism I would say in this regard is directed at Mike Tomlin is like, if you were going to do this, why now? Because now you've you've messed everyone up. Because if you were going to do this, do this 10 days ago when you had your mini buy effectively and give him 10 days of practicing with the first team. It's doing it a half time. Um and benching Trubisky like that. He can't go back now. If he goes back to Trubisky now, where's Trubisky's confidence at? And they're about to face an absolute murderous row of a schedule. I think someone phoned in or asked us the question, not phoned in, but messaged us last week. You know, are Pittsburgh going to make a quarterback change? I want to ask that person for the lotto numbers, but we all discussed it and we we're all kind of like, no, it doesn't make sense now because they haven't been giving them the reps. Why would they make it now? They've got this big schedule of games coming up. Mike Tomlin seems to think better, but look what he did. Ten, as you said, 10 for 13, but three interceptions. Like, great news, Pittsburgh. Your new quarterback doesn't let the ball hit the ground, and he completes all the time. The only problem is if three of them are going to the opposition, that's not very helpful. Yes, I think one of them in particular was a long shot, um, but I, I, do, I just feel like they haven't set anyone up to succeed. 
in that particular scenario. And now what they do for the rest of the season, they've got to hand the reins over to him. There's going to face a lot of tough defenses in the next few weeks. Uh, and that may not be conducive to his development. Ever. Zach Wilson a couple of years ago, alas, so many other young quarterbacks who may be thrown into the fray a little bit too early. If you think I'm being too harsh, those Steelers fans, here's a little bit of a stat to help you feel better at night. Go back, oh, 2004, I want to say, and a young Ben Roethlisberger comes in in relief for Tommy Maddox. He promptly throws two interceptions in that game. Uh, what happens after that? He goes on to win his next 15 regular season games in a row um, as a rookie and then going into the next season. So maybe, maybe we Kenny can't compare it. We cannot compare him to him. And, well, like, I'm, come tr- on, I'm trying man. to give I'm trying to give Steelers fans some hope, Michael. And we don't want to dash fans like, hope. Belief. All this lottery number talk, all the experts in the Bay Area and way further in the Bay Area say that Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't getting reps with the first teamers and he wasn't expected to play and he was expected to get traded and then he signed a contract and now he's playing albeit Trey Lance was injured. I still think, lads, if Trey Lance didn't go down and he was struggling in week four or week five, Garoppolo would be in. Like I, I just think some of the talk from teams is ridiculous and I just think like it's 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 honestly it's borderline a joke the way Tomlin has managed that situation. But he's got and to to be fair to Tomlin, he's got um all the years behind him that he can have a couple of years like this. You know, it's he's he's a legendary coach in this league, so um, he's grand. However, he doesn't have the answer. Quarterback, short term or long term, uh, questions will be asked because could you see Kenny Pickett having a Mac Jones type season year one? No, won't happen. He should have done a Mac Jones. <clears throat> he should have put him in from day one. He would be better now in week five. He would have had the, okay. He would have had the bumps and the bruises, the ups and the downs very early on. But I guarantee the Steelers would have been in a better position now than him going in to Buffalo this weekend. And I, Mark's right, they're going to have to play him. He can't go back on it now. He looks he looking in me if he goes back on it now. Should have played him from week one. Should have done what the Patriots did last year and other teams throughout the course of it and just said it. Like, I mean, it wasn't like he had someone there who was really... It's not like, oh, he's been really good and he's great. It's Mitch Trubisky. Like, he was a backup last year in Buffalo. He didn't play. They went and picked up a backup. He's a backup for a reason. The Bears who are the Bears right now, let him go because he wasn't good enough. Ryan Pace's, like, they should have looked at Ryan Pace's TV, the GM of the Bears, because he picked Mitch Trubisky and then he followed up by picking Justin Fields. And right now, Justin Fields doesn't look like he's going to be the answer in the long term. Maybe they should have looked at his selections and said, uh, how far here? Well, just, was, just, Justin Fields hasn't been given any protection. I mean, that's the whole, that, like, he, he, like, they have not built a team around him at all. At least Pittsburgh have got a solid defense. They can improve the line a bit, but... Fields is a whole different bananas. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree with you, Michael. I make one more point. They lost the GM this off season. That has massive change for a GM that was there so long. You're transitioning to a new GM. He has a different strategy. You know, Tomlin used to certain decisions being made with his previous GM for so long. So there's an amalgamation of a number of reasons. But for me, they should have spent from day one. Um, Mark's right. Got the next four or five games are excruciating. Um, and I feel for the kid because he's going to have. I'd say he's going to have a very difficult time in the next few weeks. Talking about excruciating, let's talk about the Colts. Colts losing to the Titans 24-17. A bit like whenever every team in the league plays Man United. They're up for the game because it's Man United. For Like, for example, West Ham or um, Arsenal or Newcastle. They're all, like, if they host United, 
doesn't matter how bad United are, they're up for it. The crowd's up for it. Last week they were up for it against the Chiefs and they won the game because of their defence. And by Jesus, they're poor. There is no other way of putting it out there. They're in trouble. As far as I'm concerned, the head coach and the GM are on the deck and they now have to go to Denver. If they can't beat the Broncos, who have not got a run game and an inefficient offence at the minute, on Thursday Night Football, Brian, they've got serious issues. Michael Pittman on Sunday had, if my computer were bloody load, uh, 31 yards, an average of 10.3 yards each. That Matt, like, come on here. So, Why did he not build that offensive line around this team? Like we'd be talking about a whole different situation here. But for the Titans to go in, fair play to them. Michael, this offensive line has been one of the best in the league for four or five years. You know, so they probably felt they had enough there. Yeah, they lost a couple of players in free agency um, last March, April. Um, but by and large, they felt there was a good offensive line there. Not to get too far ahead, you're talking about Torres' game. That offensive line is going to go, you know, in fairness, the Raiders' offensive line played reasonably well last night. But Randy Gregory started off well. Chubb. Like they're going to struggle against those guys in my heart and towards the, And Jonathan Taylor, in all likelihood, is out for the season. Looks like he is a, not out for the season. Sorry, he's out this game. The offensive line couldn't do anything. He actually threw for 359 yards yesterday. But, but the problem was the damage was done. They allowed 24 unanswered points. Derek Henry was running for an average of six yards per per game. And when Derek Henry gets going, the, the Titans are a different team offensively because they can rely on their own game. It allows Taylor time to make the passes. I wouldn't be blown away with the Titans yesterday. I still think they're going to struggle, but we all did pick the Colts. We felt the Colts would. Maybe we overreacted to their win last week because we did discuss the fact that the Chiefs kind of threw that one away last week. So, but I don't, I don't, I don't rate the Colts this towards the enemy, certainly. I have, Mark, I have to give the hoagie bear picking the Titans. I, I nearly picked the Titans, but I didn't, so I can't sit here and say it. Uh, what Brian said about the defense, how can the defense turn up one Sunday against Mahomes and not turn up against the Titans? <laughs> Well, they did. I mean, they turned up in the second half. They they didn't concede a single point in the second half. But the problem was they allowed the Titans to get their momentum. They allowed Derrick Henry to rush all over them at the start of the game, and they conceded points to beat the band. Uh, to beat the band. Um, I mean, look, the Titans have been immaculate almost against the AFC South the last while. I think they're like eleven and one or eleven and two in the last couple of seasons. So they win their divisional games. The reality is, I thought like many people was like the Titans are you know far from where they were last year and maybe the Colts are starting to figure out their problems um they're not protecting Ryan the defense did concede too much obviously in the first half to give them something to come back from but look at the security issues like at the end of the game in the last 15-16 minutes they had three turnovers they missed field goals they missed opportunities they still could have won this game but they're just not executing when it matters. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Brian said obviously my best next game, but it just was non-factor in this game. They're not gi- not giving him space or opportunities. Uh, Pittman, as you alluded to, isn't getting yards, isn't getting catches, and part of that is because Ryan isn't also getting time in the pocket. And maybe, whereas I thought he was a, a big solution, a big upgrade on Carson Wentz for the for the uh, Colts. Um, maybe he isn't. Maybe he's shot. Maybe the Falcons had it right and just shipping him out the door and moving on to the future. Um, but so far, so bad for the Colts. Look, we touched on it. They start seasons terribly. I mean, the other year, they one and six, and they nearly they came back and made the playoffs. Um, you know, it, this this is a common practice, but they're giving themselves a big, big hole. And you just have to look at the sidelines and the shots in the owner box, uh, the owner's box. Jim Ursay who is not regarded as the most patient of men of all time, is absolutely fuming. And you, you're saying, you know, could they be on the hot seat? Jeez, I, I mean, 
if are this continues, is, is Frank Reich out if they lose on Thursday? Well, um, I wouldn't personally. I think he's got enough uh, credit in the bank for me, but whether he's got enough credit in the bank for Jim Ursa is another matter altogether. Uh, all the noise out of Indy is he's absolutely steaming. He wants to make a statement. He wants to change the he direction. Is. The only thing he can do is fire people. He's he worked for the Raiders last year for different circumstances, obviously. But, you know, sometimes a media change can change the mood in a team. It's difficult to fire a coach during the season because it's where does he go to get a coach now? It'll end up in a situation like the Raiders where someone will step in for the remainder of the season. They'll have an up, upward turn in results and then he's left in a quandary. Does he keep that guy as the head coach or does he go somewhere else? I think inevitably what will happen is he'll, he'll be fired at the end of the season. And, and whether the Colts make the playoffs or not, there's a lot of coaches in the league, I would imagine, that would see the Colts, whether it's Matt Ryan or the next quarterback, is an attractive proposition to go and coach because they are a well-run team. Um, and maybe Ballard will be given the benefit of the doubt there, but I don't see him being fired during the season even if they do lose this weekend. Yeah, they're playing the Broncos Thursday night. Broncos losing to the Raiders on Sunday night. Uh, Raiders win their first game of the season, go 1-3. and three. Uh, Raiders had a decent performance, and you know, Josh Jacobs had a really, really good day. Uh, Broncos offense looking pretty poor, I would go as far as saying. And I'll ask us in a second. Uh, obviously, Albert Okawagan on the tight end. One target the whole game. Javante Williams is the major factor tonight. That's probably the biggest injury news of today. He's out for the season. Um, so, big news. Brian, are the Denver Broncos the worst coach team in the NFL? Yeah, Michael. I'm sorry that they are. Um, I, like, hack it at the end. Yeah, they are. With this nonsense of calling timeouts like a pestilent, you know, it's like a child when not getting his own way. The game's gone. He was calling timeouts. He did it in the first game in Seattle, you know, just let the game go. But, him. Um, there's like there was an improvement in the offense. I mean, there was more vertical passes down the field that were picked up by Judy and Sutton, and they got you know they did get players open. It was a little bit more expansive, but the struggles that we saw the first few weeks were still there. There were three of eleven on third down, and that's not good enough. And Garrett Bowles, the offensive line, he on the offensive line in particular struggled all day. I mean, he was bear hugging players, never mind holding players. Um, you see, as we oh, jump at the end, we uh, look. I didn't hear what I. Like I said, today, <laughs> it was like me in the Algarve jumping into the swimming pool. I, I felt when I looked at that last night. But uh, and Melvin Gordon, I mean, he's had four fumbles in four games. When is when is that going to stop? I mean, well, he, he's now the lead back in Denver. Yeah, he's yeah. the lead. Yeah, Bill Parcells used to say, "Oh, great comment." Uh, what you see on the screen is is, is is most of the time is reality. Reality is he can't hold on to the ball, and they can, now now they're going to have to lean on him to be the to the force to be the first uh, running back. Um. You couldn't start, uh, defensively, I felt they'd win the game because I felt well, the offense has been has been playing great defensively. They've been quite good this year, and I thought they would hold um, Carr and the, the offense, which has struggled as well for large parts of the season so far. But Josh Jacobs, they come in, they're tackling as well defensively yesterday. I mean, Carr got out of the pocket a couple of times and ran. They weren't picking him up, and then Josh Jacobs seemed to run through him at times. And they got the momentum. They got back in the game. The Broncos were two points behind. They had him on a second and 14, and they allowed a 17 yard. Slant to Devontae Allen, which essentially for me put the game away, and they, they then couldn't they couldn't um, they couldn't hold up Jacobs. He was going through them. I felt the offensive line yesterday for the Raiders for all the criticism it's got, going up against a quite a good uh, front seven. They did a good enough job to allow Carr plenty of time in the pocket. Mark, uh, as mentioned there, um, Ingram actually, who is now the lead back, um, walked off crying yesterday in his press conference. Two fumbles. 
uh, very difficult for a team to bring a, a running back in, even as a RB2, RB3. I know Mike Boone's there, but uh, when it, it was such a short week, and there's really nobody of any note available, maybe bar Philip Lindsay, and I don't think the team would be relying on someone like that now. They're in trouble, basically. Uh, yeah, they've got a big part of their offense to fill in. I mean, you never like to see that happen to a young player in his second year. He's obviously had a great first season, but he run for over 1,200 yards and and looked like he was going to be a big part of this offense this year, continued. So, like, you know, best wishes to him for a, a swift and safe recovery um, from the injury. But, yeah, I mean, that was the one part of the Denver offense that seemed to be clicking at all, is that they were still rushing the ball pretty well. Um, look, the game yesterday, I had picked the Raiders. I just felt they were absolutely in desperation mode. Like if they've gone 0-4, like the season's gone, McDaniels might be one and done as a coach. I mean, it's it's really in desperate times. Um, the irony, of course, that he gets his first win in like 11 years against the team that he left as a head coach or was fired from, sorry, is, is somewhat relevant. But it's like, oh, they remembered Devontae Adams. Do you know what? Throw him the ball and he'll get you over 100 yards. That might be an idea. And Josh Jacobs, as we've already alluded to, did run it really well. But to come back to Denver, look, Michael, I, I think you say about the coaching, they're the most penalized team in the NFL. Penalties every day of the week are the biggest sign of coaching for me because it's about consistency, it's about stability, it's about doing the right thing the right time. Of course, like if someone beats you off the mark, you want to bear hug them to the ground once, that's fine. But if you're doing it nearly every second play, that's a sign that you haven't been coached your technique well and you're just outmatched at the NFL level. Um, I'm fortunate of talking with uh, Maurice Jones-Drew earlier in the week, and he kind of commented, obviously, he was talking about the Viking Saints game, but he was getting excited for the Jags-Broncos game coming up, and he's quite scathing about Russell Wilson as well. He's like, oh, that guy got, you know, he, he had every excuse in Seattle. Uh, now he's gone to Denver. He can't have any more excuses. He's got the defense. He's got the offensive talent around him, and he was he was seriously questioning. us like, is Russell Wilson as good as we always make him out to be? And yesterday, in a game where you've lost your first running back, you've still got opportunities in the game. Yes, of course, Gordon's fumble doesn't help him. You really wanted to see him step it up somehow, make some magic happen. Yes, he's got Cortland Sutton. He's got Jerry Tudor. He's got talented wide receivers in the team. And I think that's the disappointing thing for neutrals uh, as well as for Bronco fans in relation to it. So, look, they're at 2-2. Two and two. It's not like the end of the season's over. There's still plenty of opportunity, but they've got they've to gotta fix it they got to fix it fast. And for the Raiders, yeah, maybe there's some hope of sneaking in the back door, but they've still got a lot of work to do as well. One one swallow does not make a summer. One big element from yesterday, Patrick Sertan. Very impressive so far this season. Mark mentioned consistency. Let's talk about consistency. Let's talk about the Green Bay New England Patriots game. I was going to get that zap Simpsons moment up in the video, but I couldn't find a full screen video. Uh, please God, just let this lad play for the Patriots forever, so I can say this every week. Um, somebody just asked me, I'm still in London. Yes, I am. Thank you for that. Uh, Brian, wh- where do we start here, mate? How did this game go to overtime? Like, what? Where do, where do we go from here? The Patriots were impressive. Impressive. I thought they were going to win the game at least twice, so fair play to them going into Lambeau and playing like that. Well... <clears throat> There's a couple of reasons. We kind of touched on this early on in the show. Uh, the Packers' offense is not what we're used to seeing. They haven't got the groove going. Um, I thought Belichick, whilst he lost the game, managed a very good game. He, he relied on the run. Even no matter who was the quarterback, we'll hire. Um, 
I mean, Stevenson and Harris were doing very well, which allowed them to obviously have long, continuous drives. Um, it was very worried me very early was how I was getting hit from from the open drive nearly like he, two or three times he was hit before he eventually, you know, got the concussion. And you know, Zappy, Zippy, whatever we call him, I was thinking that's it. Zippy. Zippy. From, yeah, I, if they had a one, I was, I was coming to you with a Zippy, all right, but um, of course it wasn't to be. He, you know, the game for me changed slightly when the, he fumbles in the red zone. It was a fumble mark in the red zone when they had an opportunity to score a touchdown. That would have been a, that was a killer because I think the game was there for him. And in overtime, they had an opportunity to get into field goal range. They just couldn't pull it off. And I, I think we all left. We knew once Packers got the ball, they were going to go down and kick a winning field goal. But I'm not convinced by the Packers. That's why I say I don't think this game this weekend, once the Giants have their flaws, I don't think it'll be a, a walkover. I think it'll be quite close. And uh, we're yet to see this Packers team really kick on from what we're used to seeing. But yet, they're, they're winning games, which is a sign of a good side. It could come later in the season. I hope they do bring that cheerleader with them on the, on the weekend. I don't think they'll need any any cheerleaders there because they'll have plenty of Packers fans there on Sunday. But like the floor is great. I don't even know he's watching the game. He's too busy trying to get the crowd going in Lambo every 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 time there's a game. So hopefully he turns up on Sunday and does a bit of cheerleading for them as well. His brother's doing very well in New York. To be fair, to him. I have to give it to him. Uh, yeah. Mark. Let's let's focus on New England because you know we're, we've got a game on Sunday and we can talk about the Packers offense then. Give us something to cheer about. Is Zappy the answer in in New England? Um, and what do you think of the running game as well? Uh, or tell me this: <laughs> were, were, were you surprised at how poor the Packers were yesterday at Lambeau with um, that crowd? Yes, yes, and no. I mean, look, don't get me wrong. I fully believe before this game started that the Packers were going to win this game, um, and game starts and. You know, Belichick can surprise sometimes, and the defensive game plan was was really good. Um, yes, they still gave up way too many yards on the ground, but it was almost like Rodgers had a great slant on uh, first play of the game to Lazard, uh, or the first, his first drive of the game, and it's like the Patriots said, right, we're taking that out. That's that's the one thing. We're not giving him those throws. We're not giving him anything easy over the middle. We're not giving him anything down the seams. Everything's got to be out routes. Everything's got to be fades, etc. And we're going to fight and contest everything. And Rogers didn't really adapt, and his receivers didn't adapt. And so much of that is on timing, and especially with younger receivers. Uh, even when they did get free, they had a couple of drops. Of course, the pick six was on an out route. Um, Jack Jones. I mean, there was some. I mean, Mac Jones wasn't playing, but there was Jack Jones, Jonathan Jones, um, uh, Marcus Jones as well on returns. There were plenty of Joneses still doing the rounds. Um, so. It was a good defensive scheme, albeit that, you know, A.J. Dillon and, and Ryan Grant love, love the, the free space uh, in the middle of the field. Sorry, it's not Ryan Grant, but they, they loved the, the run room they had and the, the run um, defense was a bit missing. Um, and, yeah, it looked like a beautiful moment. It was almost the greatest Pyrrhic victory uh, of uh, Belichick's coaching career. If they pulled it off, it would have been, um, you know, up there with... Uh, Jacoby Brissett winning a run-only game against the Houston Texans, 27-zip. I mean, it was just extremely well-coached. Um, just wasn't enough in itself. It wasn't quite the red zone, Brian, but they were in field goal range when Zappi got injured. I mean, to be honest, I was watching it kind of going, uh, yeah, the, the Patriots punter is called Jake Bailey. So at first, when you say Bailey Zappi, you're kind of going like, is the punter sponsoring some kind of bug spray? Like, what the hell's going on here? And more worrying for the Pats was, uh, Jacoby Myers, who's like our emergency uh, quarterback, 
was injured for the game as well. So you instantly go through, well, hang on a second. If something happens to this guy, what are they going to do? I mean, they probably would have done what the Giants ended up doing, go Wildcat with Harris and Stevenson, effectively yeah. playing Wildcat quarterback. But it would have been uh, interesting to say least. So look, a Pyrrhic victory. The Patriots are still one and three. Um, Belichick still hasn't played some good football in times, and they gave Rodgers some fits. But Packers won. Patriots didn't. We all um, move on. And there's your Patriots saga of the week, folks. You can't say we didn't talk about them, Ireland. Um, okay, Tom Brady last night threw as many touchdowns um, as he has so far this season. That was a hell. I, I, I do feel like we need to have a point in this game. We can't just fire through this game. Hell of a game. Hell of a play by Mahomes at the end. Uh, Chiefs looking really, really fresh. And um, just, just a very, very entertaining game. I personally, as someone watching the game, feel that the Chiefs are at least a level up on the books. Brian, the NFC is absolute dog shit, isn't it? L- let's just be honest here. Like, it's not good. It's not. It's no way comparable comparable to um, to the NFC. That's the reality situation. But we knew that going into the season. We knew there was only three or four strong sides contending: the Rams, the Bucks, uh, the Packers. But some team may come with a run. Or, well, okay, maybe the Eagles. Sorry, we didn't necessarily. I know Colin was quite high on the Eagles, but I don't think we saw. Start in which they've had coming, but the Chiefs for me right now are a team that like they should have won that game last in Indianapolis. They let that one slide, and um, I felt they would rebound off that this week. And boy, God, did they rebound with Mahomes! Like to go into Tampa and put 41 points up on this defense, and to be honest, they could have been more because they eased off slightly. This game is 41 31. This game was over early, this game was over by half time. Mahomes, three touchdowns, 249, but it's not even about. The touchdowns, it's the way he's playing, the confidence he's using at the moment. And like, this is a brand new offense. Like, let's be fair, we spoke about it. They've evolved this offense in terms of the players they brought in. And Scanton is getting more more involved now. Hilaire this year has been very impressive. Like, for a team that hasn't had much of a run game over the past few years, um, he seems really caught on. And the books had their struggles, and yet they still found ways to put up. Points. Kelsey is obviously the X factor. He's nine out of ten yesterday. They couldn't. They couldn't manage that. Kelsey. Essentially, what we saw yesterday was completely different to what we saw in the Super Bowl, where they were able to hold him in check. And uh, the Chiefs for me right now would be the team that would be the serious contender to be the AFC rep- representation in the Super Bowl. I still have the Bills as a better team, but I can't wait to see them play each other again. No doubt at this point. Uh, just, Mark, sorry, sorry, one more. It's just like the Bills and Rams are getting so much talk. The Chiefs will love this. This is suits them down to the ground. No one's really talking about the Chiefs. They're like all about their business. They'll find themselves as the number one seed, potentially someone will have to go into our way again. And I also hope that Colin was watching this when Brian said about the Eagles and how that while Colin gave him a chance. He had to go to the Super Bowl. It must have been half I decent. Said, like, right. I said that Colin was the only one who saw this coming in terms of them being potentially the number one seed. I yeah, I, I did not see I did not see the evolution or next level Jalen Hurts coming up again. I don't think anybody did to be fair. Cards beating the Panthers couple of hours lads over that game. Hope you enjoyed it folks. Mark, give us the breakdown in this game before we look at uh before I look at the Giants brands, I'll talk about the Giants. All right. Well I was just gonna say about the Chiefs Buccaneers, Tom Brady's now fifty five yards away from ten thousand. No, a hundred thousand. That's what I want to say. A hundred thousand yards. So you know he's 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 got a few yards Russian on the board in passing. total Rushing, passing, and uh, receiving all combined. There no jokes about one-handed catches and Super Bowls not being made and things like that. So, um, yeah, he's uh, 
it's kind of an interesting career, regular and postseason combined. If anyone wants to check my maths, so um, yeah, the cards. Um, look, it kind of a game that went a little bit the way I expected to, which is quite simply two not great teams, but the cards having more than enough over the Panthers to eke out the victory. Um, you know, if. Baker Mayfield was going to Carolina to revive his career. They're already talking now about, yeah, when when's Sam Darnold back uh, potentially to come come back in and take the starting slot away from him? Um, Brian's smiling on every face because he's uh, been Baker's number one. Um, uh, what's the opposite of a fan? Oh, yeah, a uh, hater, I would say, uh, for a while, just pointing out that he just didn't believe in him. So he's definitely proving anyone who didn't believe in him very right. And the cards, they're still too sloppy. They're still relying too much on Murray to do something off script. Murray's still too careless with the football. And they still don't have all the answers all the way around the place. Um, but they should, and they will win games like that against the team like Carolina. Um, interestingly as well, did anyone catch, I mean, sorry, anyone, most people I think probably caught JJ Watt's tweet at the weekend about... Uh, and and how, yeah, like, yeah... <laughs> yeah, it's like some personal information about me has just been leaked. Um, uh, yeah, it's just that my heart had to be restarted. I went into AFib, so they just rebooted it. Everything's fine. That's it, just to tell you. And so it's, sorry, your, your heart stopped and it was restarted. And oh, yeah, and I'm playing at the weekend. Um, very casual, like. Uh, can't wait to hear more about that story when he gets interviewed a little bit more. Um, but maybe that's what you get from paying for the Arizona Cardinals. You used to have the Cardiac Cats. The Bengals were originally uh, back in the day. Um, maybe it's the Card- Cardiac Cardinals uh, these Not days. Not the time. Not the time. Have some heart, Mark. Have some heart. Show some heart. Uh, Brian, can we talk about the Giants on Sunday in our one-hour special with four guests? Do we have to talk about I mean, obviously, we, all right, let's, let's quickly go around and, and say this. Will Daniel Jones start on Sunday in London? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say the ticket holders will not be happy. But then again, is Baker Mayfield the better quarterback? Brian, discuss. Is Baker Mayfield the better quarterback than Daniel Jones? Come on, you absolutely kidding me. <laughs> the Japanese have gone from Teddy Goes to Darnold's average to Baker Awful, where he'd be dropped soon and I'd be vindicated. Um, Daniel Jones will be playing on Sunday. Um, it's all smoking daggers at the moment. Um, I watched Brian Davis' live press conference today. Um, okay. He came back into okay. the game, Michael. Like, I mean, well, no, but that's re- fine. You've literally just told us he'll be fine, so we'll move on. Well can done we, to the Giants. Can I just uh, say, was it, well. is it not smoke and mirrors, not smoke and daggers? Oh, just to check. Mark, someone commented, uh, good call, Mark. Not sure why that was in the script or something they got there. I, I thought so as well. I'm not sure what that means. I wasn't listening, but I'll get back to that. I don't know who it was. I can't see the comment because the majority voted not sure. My heart's starting to go a bit like JJ's here. Let's let's move on. I picked the Falcons. None of you did. Good luck to you. I actually like the Falcons. Is that, is that bad at the minute? Marcus Mariota, only 7 for 19. 139 yards and one interception and yet they scored 23 points against the Browns somebody jump in and tell me why the Browns are not in trouble right now please uh, the silence Lovely. is deafening Michael there, the okay. silence is deafening uh, before we Fair. get our picks before Monday Night Football let's just bang on then because we gave everyone an opportunity Cowboys 25-10 to 10 victory um, I have to give it to 
Mike McCarthy not rushing Dak back. Fair play to him. Dak Prescott last week was like, I'll be grand next week. No, you're not. Uh, Cooper Rush? Brian. Yeah, he's methodical. He's game management. He's everything the Cowboys need right now, you know, because he's going to win games, put them in a position that when Dak does come back, they have a serious chance to pip the Eagles potentially to win this division. I think they'll be earmarking Dak potentially being back for them when they play each other, which I think is quite late in the season. And they've done a bit unusual this year in terms of the division. They have a lot of the divisional games by and large towards the back end of the season. So it'd be great significance if the if the Cowboys keep going the way, they, way they're going. But the reality is for Washington, they can't protect Wentz. Offensive line is one of the worst in the league right now. Defense has not played up to the standing, which we saw a couple of years ago. We're two years removed from that really strong defense. Chase Young is he's AWOL, unfortunately, with injury. And until he comes back, that might give him a bit of a boost. But right now, if Snyder didn't have his... Issues with the ownership, I think, to be honest, for, um, Ron Rivera could be the first out the door, but I think, because they're not being coached very well right now, they, they, everything seems to be going wrong for them. 11, Mark spoke earlier about good coaching and penalties. 11 penalties for 136 yards yesterday. That's significant. You're not going to win a game if you're giving up that type of penalties. Yeah, Mark? Um, yeah no, I was, I was just going to say, Cooper Rush doesn't lose, boys. Like, every game he starts, he wins. So that's great. And he's also, uh, if you look at a picture of Cooper Rush, you will see that he's giving Andy Dalton great competition for the most Irish-looking quarterback. So, Andy Dalton. Wow. Um, shout out to Irish Cowboys. I'm giving him a shout because I watched this whole show and we've only talked about our team for 30 seconds. We'll talk about them more. Uh, is Carson Wentz the fifth best quarterback in the NFC East? Love that. Yes, he is. Um, Monday Night Football picks Rams, Niners. This is a huge game for the Niners. Obviously the Rams as well, but the Niners are under pressure. Let me make no doubt about it. Uh, Shanahan is under big, big pressure in San Francisco. And they, the Niners fans expect tonight... Um, Column's not here, so we'll get his pick first. Column is picking. Oh, by the way, by the way, just before we do this, nobody's picking the Steelers this weekend, or I'm not making the graphics. All right? Simple as that. Um, okay, Column's picking the Niners. The Niners. Mark, uh, Brian, who are you going to pick? Um, I'm going to go against Column. I'm going to go for the Rams. Uh, the Niners have beaten the Rams six times in a row in, in, in regular season, but the Rams broke, broke that... Uh, that's that run, you know, in the championship game last January where they finally overcame a Kyle Shanahan team. McVeigh hasn't had the best of times against them, and I don't think they have the best of relationships, to be honest. But um, if the 49 concerned me last week, um, I know we, but I, I do agree with your point, uh, Michael, around the fact that even if uh, Trey Lance hadn't got injured, you know, with his struggles potentially carrying into the season, that they made a, made a move to bring Jimmy G in. But um, <clears throat> we all spoke last week about Jimmy G in. in big games and how he struggles just to get them over the line and right now the Rams had a difficult week one game but they've quite gone about their business the last few weeks and taken care of the Falcons and it was a big win last week within the division um, in Arizona I, it's a big game um, I'm surprised that the Rams aren't favourites um, but I'm going to side with the Super Bowl champions to come out on top tonight Do you know this is the thing about divisional games um, it's it sometimes you can just get a matchup that just doesn't suit a particular team. Like um, I always remember when it comes to the Rams back in Pete Carroll's heyday in Seattle, the one team that always gave him fits was Jeff Fisher's Rams. And we all know Jeff Fisher were equal most losses as a head coach in the NFL. Um, the master of the eight and eight season at best. Um, 
for some reason, he always and they they destroyed them on special teams. They they surprised them with different tactics, and they always just pipped Seattle. Uh, I think one season even they were two and fourteen, and the two wins were against Seattle when Seattle were you know really good side. Um, and Brian just alluded to it. These two teams, when they match up, other than obviously the playoff game where the Rams did see out, although the 49ers should have won, um, the reality is this 49ers team in Shanahan have had McVay's number. 6-0 and in the regular season. Jimmy G has never lost against them, I believe, in the regular season, uh, if you're taking starting quarterback records into account. Uh, another great stat I saw at the weekend, um, this uh, – Pittsburgh Steelers won 51 Monday night football games. Second place is San Francisco 49ers with 50. And my bet is the San Francisco 49ers, who really need this win, are going to run, run, run on the uh, LA Rams. They're going to keep the ball away. They're going to manage their offense, which has not been as efficient this year. And my God, if anyone knows inside out, it's Carl Shanahan. And they are going to keep up their hoodoo in the regular season over the Rams. And I am going with the 49ers to uh to be victorious kittle runs you know always has a great game against the rams so there you go that's that's the other thing he was going to come out with two touchdowns 49ers to win it's typical that the niners will probably play far better tonight than they played in denver that was one of the worst primetime games i've ever seen jimmy garoppolo was lucky to have 211 passing yards he'll have more than the touchdown tonight the thing that surprises me is the way that the Rams uh, allowed the Cardinals to come back into the game on numerous occasions. The Cardinals were very, very poor against the Rams last week, and I would be concerned in regards to McVeigh's management at the minute in certain situations. Does he have the dressing room? Maybe I'm just being really annoying by saying that. There is a slight concern on my part. Um, that being said, I think the game being in Santa Clara is a big, a big difference for the Niners. The Niners need to win. I think Jimmy turns it on. I really do. Uh, and you got Jeffrey Wilson and Debo there. And Mark spot on. This is the George Kittle. Welcome to the NFL season, George Kittle, that we see tonight. And I'm picking the Niners to beat the Rams in almost the full house. Uh, not sure who Hogan picked, but Brian's going with the Rams. Us lads are going with the Niners. Um, there will be serious questions asked to Shanahan if they, if they lose this game. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's also like it's a big game within the division during the season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not I'm not sure if they'll ask big questions of him. You know, four out of six seasons he's lost his starting quarterback. As far as he's concerned, his starting quarterback was Trey Lance. He's down his starting he, quarterback. He, he drafted up to get no. Trey Lance, who was unproven no. at college level and I mean like He got it? injured, Michael. He's his starting quarterback. You're not going to question a coach that bad. Well, he's brought you to a Super Bowl, brought you to two NFC Championship games when you say, hey, I've lost my starting quarterback for the season. That's the answer back. That's like, me saying to have you, any that's like me saying to you here, I'm going to take you to LA for the Super Bowl, right? Come on here, I'll get your flights. I'm here, we're going to stand outside SoFi and eat the pizza. They haven't yes. won the thing. They haven't won the thing. That's Michael, the problem. They, the, Michael, people Michael, are getting annoyed Michael. the Bay Area, 100%. They haven't won the thing, but at least they're in the conversation. Like, you know, we you, you support the Broncos, Brian supports the Giants. There's a reason you've recycled through coaches to, uh, terribly in the last five, six you, years. Because you're not you're winning anything. Okay, right. Well, I'm a Patriots fan. We haven't recycled a coach, Brian Michael. Let's just be clear on that. No, I'm just talking about like expectations is, and management over the no, last no, few no, years. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact of why would they be under pressure when they actually have proved that they can win games? that they've got okay. a team that they've committed to for another six years. 
Like they've given Lynch and Shanahan extensions in the postseason, so why would he suddenly be under pressure after four weeks? I must. Sorry, the disconnect for me is if you read the stories and the reports over the past six, twelve, eighteen months is because Shanahan thought he was getting Mac Jones when they when they moved up and not not uh, Trey Lance, and that decision was taken out of his hands because it was supposed to be. The, we keep hearing about the two of them are very much in unison together in terms of how they work, and they agree on decisions in advance. But obviously, there was a completely mismatch because. If you read the reports, John Lynch decided he wanted to trade hands and Kyle Shanahan wanted Mac Jones. We'll see. Enjoy yeah, Monday we'll Night Football, gents. That's my cue to get everybody off this. Enjoy Monday Night Football. We'll be back during the week. We're also live from London at approximately 9.30. 9 o'clock if I get my own way. Sunday morning. Check it out on YouTube. Uh, have a good night, lads. Keep her lit. Small about.